This is Sarah Petty, and you're listening to From Nothing to Profit. Welcome to From Nothing to Profit, a photographer's podcast with Matt and Kaya, where each week they talk to photographers about what is working in their business now so you can swipe those ideas and grow your business faster. Uh, so hello everyone. We are so excited to have Sarah Petty here on the podcast today and we feel very honored. We've actually saved her for a year. Uh, I knew I could call in a favor at some point, but, uh, Sarah's a big name in the photography industry and she has helped, uh, both Matt and I so much in our businesses. She probably doesn't even know. Um, and so Sarah, uh, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here with you guys. So, Sarah, I got to tell you this story. I was telling Takaya before you jumped on this. So I still have this tin box that you gave out at Imaging like eight years ago. I don't know how many years ago, five to eight years ago. And it's Recipes for Joy. And it had like marketing ideas inside of it. Do you remember putting that together? I do. That was in about 2008 or nine. Oh, so so it was was... (laughs) like 11 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I I still have the box. And before we jumped on this call, I went and found it. And just to see, to remember exactly what it was called. Um, But I have no idea why I refuse to throw that thing away. But it has made an 11 year journey with me. And it's still my piece of Sarah Petty at my office. That's the best. I know I have a couple floating around and they're nice little boxes. I don't want to throw mine away either. <laughs> I, I think that's what it is. It's one of those things like you teach in your book. It's like if you do something nice um, and it actually has feels like it has value, people aren't just going to throw it away, you know? Exactly. So, yeah. Awesome. So, so, cool. thank, so thanks so much for being on the podcast. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right, Kai, you go ahead and jump in and start, start and you okay. run with this because you, okay. you, you and Sarah are buddies and we're you, know, you guys, you guys, you guys prom dress shopped or something. Our homecoming dress. <laughs> we did. We did. Yeah. So, um, Sarah, uh, I've known Sarah for I don't know almost twenty years. I think our oldest uh, were babies at the time, and we did actually prom dress for our daughter's prom dress shop or homecoming dress shop together online the other night. And um, I have watched Sarah take her expertise in the advertising industry and apply it to the photography industry and just become a phenom. And um, it's so fun to see, Sarah, what you've done because you truly have taken your knowledge and shared it with people and helped other people so much and helped the industry as a whole. And so, uh, um, yeah, will you share a little bit about like your background or things people may not know about you uh, just for our audience? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, I um, I never set out to become a professional photographer. I was a marketer. I wanted to have my own ad agency kind of, and I worked in marketing. I worked at Coca-Cola. I was a marketing director at an ad agency and I got pregnant with my twins, spent the year in the hospital just on bed rest and sick and all of that. And I realized, oh my gosh, I don't want to go back to the kind of schedule it took at the job I was in. And it wasn't fair to my clients. We tried doing part-time. It just wasn't fair because they need you. You're their marketing arm. And I'd been doing photography for fun. And I thought, well, hey, I'll just, I'll just do this. I had a legal pad of people who were saying, oh, I'll just wait for you. Keep in mind, this was in 2000. This was film. And I had no idea what I was doing. I had an undergrad in business. I had an MBA. And yet they don't teach you in business school how to run a business. So I was underpriced. I had no sales system. 
And I thought I was serving my clients by giving them all the proofs. And then they kept telling me they were going to order big things. And it was fabulous. Well, pretty quickly I realized, okay, we're living on two salaries and now we're living on one and, and a little dust. (laughs) And I realized I had to make some changes and that's when I dug in and and I realized, okay, I've got a price for profit. Like, how do I do that? And, And back then I had to travel and find people to learn from. I came to your studio and, yeah. And, um, and Rod Evans, and I'm trying to think of some of the people who really helped me and Monteith and Jeff Lubin helped me with pricing. He's out in, uh, um, out by DC and I had to just pick little nuggets from everybody and start putting it together. And, and I kind of made the hard decision. I, I got a studio, which should never have done. Didn't know what I was doing right before 2000. It was in 2011. I had a grand opening April, I'm sorry, August 30th two weeks before 9-11. So here I am, two newborn babies, a studio that I couldn't afford. Luckily, it wasn't an expensive one. I had bars on the windows and I had a broken system and I realized, okay, I've got to change how I'm doing things. And that's really when I kind of stumbled upon the boutique business model, like serving at a high level, because you guys, most people, most businesses compete with cheap. There's always someone doing it cheaper. But now with digital, especially as photographers, we compete with free because everyone has a digital camera on them at all times. So we might as well figure out, okay, if you're somewhere in the middle, I think that's where you get stuck. You're either going to be low-end price-driven like McDonald's or you're going to be a high-end sit-down restaurant. And it's, it's the ones in between, I think, that get stuck. So I really doubled down on boutique and serving my clients and trying to, to be amazing. And I, and I just decided I'm going to include archival framing and I'm going to be on the high end. And if I can't make it work, I'm going to go somewhere else and do, you know, get a job. But luckily I had the marketing skills from the ad agency that pulled me through. And I think that's where people, um, you know, get a little hung up on is they think that all consumers make the decision based on price and they don't. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Um, so, what so what do you think is working now in the industry, or what are these trends that you're seeing in the industry now? Besides, like competing with free, that you think we need to be aware of, or that you're navigating and stuff like that. Well, what I see is what I found when I went to my first convention. You go to a speaker, and I love conventions. Don't get me wrong; I'm a big fan of PPA and WPPI and all of the small conventions. Like there's so many, there's so much great things that can come, especially if you're new and you are picking vendors and you want to touch and feel their products, right? But it's sort of like, and, and it's sort of like you're picking, you're you're picking puzzle pieces from each speaker. So the first person's like, oh, you should do a la carte pricing. And the next one's like, oh, you should discount. And the next one's like, you should do package pricing. And and others are like, never discount. And, And you're taking all of these puzzle pieces from a different puzzle. And the part that I think people struggle with in the industry is they don't know what the picture on their puzzle box looks like. So they're sitting at home and they're, maybe they went to a convention. Now there's a lot of people teaching things online and they're hearing someone say, you know, oh, I can teach you how to get a thousand Instagram followers. So they're like, oh, I need that puzzle piece. Right. And I need this and I need that. And, but they're not finding, they're not picking their puzzle. And there are, there's more than one way to do it. My way in my model, the boutique model is not the only way, but I think where people go wrong is they're not picking a model. They're trying to do things from different models. And what every single photographer tells me is just, oh, I, I, my business isn't broken. Everything's great. I just need more clients. 
And I know from 25 years of working with small businesses and working with entrepreneurs and working with, um, with photographers, that's typically not the problem. It's something else. It's pricing. It's the structure. It's the model. It's the selling system. It's something else. So I think in the industry, as we go forward, you know, we had this big disruption with digital where everyone just was like, oh, well, now we can give digital files. We can do that. We don't have to be scared to sell. We'll never, never get rejected or people will never be mad at us about price because we can just give them the digital files for $200. And, and everybody jumped on that bus. And now you're seeing people saying, okay, I'm not making any money and I'm trading away my kids' lives for that. Are, there are people that teach that, right? If you want to do that model and you want to get your prices up and, and, make a little extra money, like go find the person teaching that and do it. Or if you want to do high volume sports, or if you want to do schools, um, you know, we teach boutique where it's high service, high touch. We sell wall portraits. We hold our clients hands the whole time, but you can't compete with the people doing it for cheap. And you have to learn how to, how to do that. So sorry, that was a longer answer than you were looking for, but that's great. <laughs> but I just think that's the biggest problem. It's not that people don't have enough clients. I think it's, you got to figure out what, what's the picture puzzle box that you're working from, get the picture first and then go figure out how to get the pieces. Yeah. And, and how, how, how do you think they figure out what that puzzle box looks like? You know, do you have any advice for that? Well, that's where we're going to conferences is good. It's it's where sampling what people do online is good. We do a lot of free challenges and we do um, courses and things that people can see if I'm the mentor for them. Like I do a 90, 90 minute training before people can even get into my first course because if they don't want to sit and listen to me for 90 minutes, they're not gonna they're not gonna like how I teach and what I teach, right? But I lay out like, this is what my model looks like. This is what my puzzle box looks like. And um, I would say to, to go sample from people, right? Go see what people are teaching. Make sure they're making money. Like that's one thing. If you're taking business advice from someone, make sure you're, they're making money. There are so many people out there, especially online, giving advice that aren't even making money. Um, and look and at it, what, you know, ask them questions. Like, what does this look like? Before you just start taking that advice and running with it, you've got to fly up higher and look down and make sure that you see a picture on a puzzle box. Yeah, and that's good advice. And we actually had that discussion on a previous podcast about how to figure out how to find a mentor. And then, you know, there is sometimes it does feel like this bait and switch when you actually get to know somebody, you're like, oh, you're not really making that much money and stuff like that. And that, that, that's hard. So I like the pre-interview idea that you're doing. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And also, I think it's a mindset that everyone needs a mentor. When you send your kids to learn a new sport, do you ever send them to a team that doesn't have a coach? No. <laughs> Olympic athletes have coaches. And I think that that's more than people picking wrong. I think people are trying to do it on their own. And I'm telling you, why do most businesses fail? I had a, an undergrad in business and a master's in business, and I did everything wrong in the beginning. I had to really have tenacity, which is what I tell my students, have tenacity. And I had to figure it out pretty much on my own. And most people can do that if they want to spend 10 or 15 years. Why do you want to spend that much time if there are others who have figured it out? Find them. And yeah, is it going to be an investment? Of course it is. Like, that's just life. You go to college so that you can better your life. That's an investment. And so I think that's a mind shift that people need to have that you are going to need to invest in education, not stuff, not a ton of stuff, invest in education and get a mentor who can teach you what you need to know. 
whoever that mentor is, you've got to have a mentor. I always have a mentor. I hope you guys always have a mentor because. Yeah, and, that, and that's a really interesting thing, Sarah. It's like, you know, there's, there's been, there's years where you and I don't even cross paths, but I've seen you bubble up in other things. Like, um, I, I thought you, I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, but you worked with Brad Martineau for a while. And so I worked with Brad Martineau and it was like, oh, well, you know, Sarah's been here and done some work with him. And then um, I've seen you in some like Russell Brunson videos and stuff like that, because you're doing masterminds and stuff with him as well. And so it's like, you're not only are you just saying it, but you're, you're living that you're living it day to day too, because you're out there getting coaches and mentors. And the coaches and mentors I'm getting are not inexpensive. Let me just tell you that. Sure. No, I mean, it's all relative, right? But but I am putting my money where my mouth is. I always have a mentor. Um, and Russell is a great example. He's my mentor um, now. And I'm in his, his inner circle mastermind. And um, the people I'm in there with, they've been to everyone. That's the, that's the common denominator with successful people. The higher, the more expensive, the, the better education I'm investing in, the quality of people I'm with gets better and better. And, and I mean quality in that they're running large, successful companies. They value being able to put their family first. They're trying to figure out how to make money and still have the benefit of enjoying their lives. But I mean, Russell, everywhere I've been, they're like, oh, Russell Brunson was just here. And it's so funny because it's so true. We learners, you have to be a lifelong learner. And I hope till the day I die, I'm learning. And hopefully that's not soon. <laughs> <laughs> you're funny. So I have a couple of questions for you, Sarah. Um, so I see that you're shooting. So how much do you shoot now? Because I know you teach so much, like having time to shoot, I think would be hard. Well, you know what? My studio runs like a well-oiled machine. I've done six figures in my business, except for the first couple years, every single year. Right. And in some years, multiple six figures, some not, but every year, year, at least six figures. And I do, I have to do so little. Right. And I have one part time employee because I know how to sell, I know how to run the business. And that's the key, right? Like if you're getting a CD for $200, I'm doing the same work and I'm, and I'm getting much higher orders. Um, and I don't share this a lot because it's all relative, but I had a $49,000 order last year. Yeah. Wow. That'll, right? that's, that's a good month. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good year, right? <laughs> can be. It's a good, exactly. And, um, they aren't even in my city. They, they sky Skyped the, the presentation to them. And so, um, it's not uncommon to get a, a seven, 10, $15,000 order that makes life a lot easier. I can outsource retouching if I need to, I can hire help if I need to. And so um, I always want to have a studio. That's something that, you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, I can make good money just teaching photographers and I don't have to do it. I will always do it. I will always invest in coaches and I will always run my studio because I want to be relevant. I know I want to know what it takes. And right now I've been, you know, my twins just went to college and this last year has been insane with senior year and picking colleges and trips and everything. And Andrew and I just had this conversation. We don't have a lot on the books right now. So I need to feel that same feeling that my students are feeling, right? Because um, I don't want to ever be removed from that. And I said, Andrew, we got to sit down and we got to make some things happen. So I'm doing it. And then I'm showing my students what I'm doing and they're doing it with me. So it, it's, it keeps me relevant. Do I ever want to have a, a million dollar photography business? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But when you know your numbers and you you're able to do between a hundred and three hundred and fifty thousand dollars 
it's a really sweet spot and you get a high profit margin and you don't need a huge bunch of employees and you can have a really amazing life. And that's what affords me the opportunity to, um, to run the drive marketing. And, and I apply the same systems to that, right? Like I'm doing just what I'm really great at and others do everything else. So I have a question for you. Yes, uh, because uh, you've been in the business similar amount of time. And one of the things that I feel like I'm just seeing more and more and it's funny. OK, I'll put a caveat on it. So for high school senior photography, which is was one of my main things for years, people were photographers got really worried and said the business is going to disappear. I'm really sad. And it did, I feel like, have a decline and people were having their friends take their pictures. But now there's been this big resurgence and in our seniors, we have we are doing really well and they want studio portraits, but I feel like family and children photography is kind of being hit in the same way now. And so I'm curious what you think about that, because I, I I'm just watching uh, the, the client. It's very hard to book new clients. I can book old clients who've been to me for years, but new people I feel like are just so used to that shoot and burn and, and being okay with it. So uh, can you speak to that? I'm curious what you think about it. Yeah, yeah. And this is, I put on my marketing hat here, right? This yeah. is a marketing challenge. And so this is why photographers come to me and they're like, I should be doing Facebook ads. And I'm, I'm like, quit wasting your money on Facebook ads. Like we use Facebook ads for joy marketing. Totally different business model, right? When yeah. you're talking about having a boutique business where you want clients to come in and spend time with you and order large wall portraits and things like that, um, You've got to educate them, right? So all the marketing activities I teach and I do, they're high touch. They're getting me out into my community. I just had a group in the other day um, that I spoke to. They're called Leadership Springfield, 35 of them. We photograph them and we give them an app with all their images. It's branded with our name all over it. And I speak to them about business and about being a leader. And I weave in there all about my business and how I'm different and I speak to new mom groups and I, I get out there in the market. And also when I do mailings, I do mailings with all the bells and whistles, right? We're always educating people because here's the big marketing epiphany that I had. We're looking for people who aren't necessarily looking for us. Oh, okay. okay. So like we always say the search customer is the worst customer because they're probably price shopping when it comes to photography. They're probably price shopping. They're looking for digital files who does it for the least amount of money. Right. And so while we do get some of that traffic and that's fine if we convert them to a client, but I want to go out and educate people. If you go into people's houses, Kaya, they don't have wall portraits in their home. So there is a need out there for what we do. And sure, the market has shifted because they're being taught that what you do is you, is you, you just get a CD so we're, we do have a, another step to kind of step over, but I still, I still think just as much as ever that need is there. So we have to get a little more aggressive in our presence. Like you can't just be a photographer who sits behind your computer and runs ads and think that you're going to get the right clients. It doesn't work that way. I guess we kind of talked about this a little bit, but like, what are you the most fired up about in our industry? I mean, this is kind of in general what you've been talking about, but is there one specific thing like right now that you've been thinking about that like this is this is new or exciting or this is different? You know, my big campaign right now, like mentally, emotionally, everything is just ditching the digitals. 
That's everything that I'm that I talk about with my clients, with my you know my photography clients, with my photographers who are students. Like ditching the digitals. Um, we we have a saying: digital files can bite the big one. <laughs> we have shirts that are made with them. Like getting that conversation about this being the lost generation. I get on my soapbox. I did not exist as a child because cameras weren't as accessible. And I had an older brother who was 18 months older than me sticking knives into electric sockets. And my parents were chasing him. And and I just literally don't exist in photos. And now there's no excuse. Everyone has a cell phone on them. But how many people have dropped a, a phone and lost their images? How many don't even know where their old hard drives are? Like this is going to be the lost generation. And I'm fighting for them. And I want us as an industry to fight for them. Sure, they're all over social media and they're all over, but when they're old and they they have nothing from their walls, they have nothing hanging in their homes because they don't print anything. That's my my hot button. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's really good. I like the idea of this, the digitals. And because I don't know if that would have even resonated a couple of years ago, but you hear customers coming more and more and they're like, well, yeah, this is the third session I've done in 10 years and I've never did anything with those other two CDs. You know what I mean? So like in some aspects, that concept of ditching the digitals, I think would resonate with people more than it would a couple of years ago. Yeah. And I, and I think people get so caught up in competition, competition. If you do the math, if you want to have a six figure photography business and you get a hundred clients with a thousand dollar order, which usually with the way we do it and what I teach in the high touch system, my students are getting 1500 or higher, but let's just say a thousand dollars. And that's two clients a week, a hundred, a hundred clients. Um, that's a, that's a hundred clients that you need. You, you don't need 10,000 people to come to you. There are a hundred people at least that would love to come to you to decorate their home with big, beautiful artwork. And they have no idea how to do it themselves. So we are serving them. So I think people forget they're they're asking the wrong question, right? It's it's taking a step back and going, okay, I really don't actually even need everybody to ditch the digitals, just a small number of people. That's all we need to make a really awesome business. Once you can get to six figures, you can get to multiple six figures just by doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Kaya, take us into the lightning round. I'm fascinated to see by what Sarah has to say about some of the lightning round questions. Okay. All right. So Sarah, you told us a little bit about your journey from becoming uh, an advertising, you know, being an advertising to being a full-time photographer. So I'm going to go to our next question, which is what's the deep down reason that you're a photographer? You may have already answered that too, but I'm curious. Well, the deep down reason that I am a photographer is a, a two by two inch photo that's framed right when you walk in my camera room. It's framed in a giant frame and it's all yellowed and it's all practically crinkled and you can barely see the top of my head. And that's my why I didn't exist as a child. Mm. And so when people talk about digital files, like I don't care. No, there are no photos of me that were printed that were hanging on the wall. I would love a photo of my dad and I snuggling or my mom and I snuggling, giggling. I would love that. And so that doesn't exist. So all of my artwork leaves my studio framed, archivally framed. Does it drive my prices up? Yes. But if that's not what you want, then I'm not for you because I didn't exist as a child. I don't want that to happen. So clearly that's another hot button for me. <laughs> so okay. that, so that's, a little, yeah. that's a little bit about the past. So like if you couldn't do your current job that you're doing, what, what do you think you would do? 
Like if you weren't doing joy of marketing and you weren't doing your, your studio work, what would you, what would you do? You know, I can't imagine not doing this. Like this is what I would do. I think I love being sort of a motivational, inspirational speaker. Yeah. And I love mentoring teens. I do. Those are the things I do it to, to give back. I have some high school kids in every month and I, I do a lot of speaking to teen groups. So I might be a teen inspirational speaker. That would be cool. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I think you'd I be could, really good at that. Yeah, I could totally see you doing that. So uh, if you had $1,000 right now, uh, what would you buy or what would you suggest people buy that's photography related? Oh, that's a tough one. What I buy and what I suggest they buy would be different. <laughs> True <laughs> but I suggest right now. <laughs> well, I suggest people get education. Yeah. Like literally go learn how to make the money. Then you can have any thousand dollars that you want, which is what I do with my first money. Like I don't buy anything until I can invest in education. Um, I don't know what I would buy. I really, I don't know what I would buy. I think we need, we're doing a lot of video things now. So I think I might get some video education and then some, maybe some video lights. I think we have them though, but we just don't know how to use them. So <laughs> I think there's more room for growth in our, in my studio for adding more video in that I get intimidated by it. So like videos I make, I stand in front of pretty light and I make them, but, but I think some video, something with video would be helpful for us. That you would do. So, Okay, so go the ahead, Matt. So the, yeah, the reverse question is, you get that $1,000, like what would you avoid buying or what do you see people spending $1,000 on all the time that you're like, man, that's just such a waste or, you know, that's not going to move the needle in your business? Well, you know, that, that one's easier. I think um, I see people teaching, you know, going outside and using radio poppers to do all these fancy lighting things. And I don't know if it's that I... I'm lazy because I don't think I'm lazy, but <laughs> I don't want to have to work that hard. Like I make a lot of money in using natural light in a square room with white walls. Um, and sure, I have different backgrounds and I have different things. But when I built this camera room and we made this giant north light window, I hardly use my lights. And I hear all these photographers saying, oh, I need to go get lighting. No, you don't. Learn how to use natural light first and get good at it. You can make a lot of money without having any lights. And so I think that's what I tell people, quit buying all the stuff, like just get, learn how to thrill your clients, get some great images and learn how to sell them. And you're good. Then you don't have to haul it all around and store it and learn how to use it. <laughs> yeah. I think that, I think that's good advice. Yeah. Because I think it's very easy, especially with gear and stuff to like want the latest and greatest, you know, that that's what they're, that's what camera companies and, you know, those companies are trying to do. And I think they do a really good job. We just got to be careful not to get sucked in because they'll take all of our thousand dollars if we let them. Exactly. And I, and I try to just teach people that, look, I like fun stuff. I like, you know, a fun lens comes out and I want to get it just because I want it. But understand the difference when you're profitable and you have the money and you can do it, get it. But it's not going to make you the money. Make the money first, and then you can have whatever you want. So a, a camera and a reflector, and, and go learn how to use those two things, and then the money will buy you any of the fun toys that you want. That's yeah, good. that's good. So what's the best advice you ever received? The best advice I ever received, I would say, is to take advice from someone who's where you want to be. That's My good. first convention I went to, and I sat by this really nice girl and we became friends. 
and she said, oh, the person next to me, they told me to do postcards. So I'm doing all these postcards. Someone told her, do all these postcards and do, and she had this terrible postcard layout. And I said, how did that work for you? Well, it hasn't yet. And I'm like, why are you giving me that advice then? Right? Everybody online, you guys, is giving advice in groups and, and places. Like, literally, take advice from someone who's where you want to be. Yeah. Well, and I, it's been interesting for me as an educator, too, to, to kind of go through this as well. Because, I mean, five years ago, I had a Facebook course, you know, that was like really relevant and it was easy and it was all based around the ads and stuff. And they were really working. And then when ads got super expensive and, and all of that changed, it's like I pulled that course, you know, obviously I could I could keep selling it if I wanted to, but I, it didn't feel authentic because I was like, well, you know, I'm not doing the Facebook ads to the level I was because it's changed. You know what I mean? And I still get messages all the time and people are like, hey, you know, don't you teach Facebook ads? And it's like, not anymore. I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't really know what's going on in that space as much as I used to. So yeah it's tricky it's tricky and there are other things too that we can teach but we choose not to right um because we know how hard it is like we do facebook ads really well like we but i have a whole staff right for the drug marketing that's business to business and we use price a lot um as incentives and and it's hard to teach that people are always telling us teach photographers how to do it and i'm like yeah but you have to have so many you have to have have so many skills copywriting marketing um and you have to have a budget right and when you're boutique you're not going to get as uh, much of a response when you're not using price so again there are so many things that that play go into play so um we stay super clear on teaching what we know we can we can we're doing and we're doing successful and we have systems but but i think that's the key like be careful where you're taking advice just be really careful and and if they're and what, no matter where you are, right? Like if a photographer is doing a style you don't like, why would you take advice from them? Find the photographer to model after that that's doing what you want. They don't have to be making money if you're taking photography advice from them, but just pick, get clear on who you're picking. Yeah. So along the same lines, like what is a personal habit that you think contributes to your success? Like what? A habit. So I think one of the biggest habits that I got into at a, at a young age when I was selling advertising, I was working at the ad agency, is I always planned tomorrow today. So I end my day every day by looking at what I have because I have, you know, we're making chaos, right? I'm scribbling notes and post-its. And if I wake up tomorrow and I don't know what I'm doing, I'm so likely to hop on Facebook and check email and, and Instagram. And, and, and all of a sudden, I'm missing opportunities to get things done. So I always end my day with a plan for what I'm going to get done the next day. And I think everybody should do that because there are so many opportunities to waste time anymore. So planning is critical. Yeah, that's great. I'm so bad about it because I always am like, I don't like people to tell me what to do. And I don't even like myself to tell me what to do. So I, I, I know I do it some, but I also am like, oh, I don't want to commit. I don't want to have to commit to that. that that's going to be too hard. <laughs> I know we're creatives, right? We like to, we like fun, unknown challenges in our day, but also we have to know as creatives, we have to create systems for ourselves. Yeah. And I, I have to work really hard at that because I want to just go do what's fun, right? <laughs> yes, for sure. So uh, what, uh, what internet resources and or books would you recommend? Is there anything oh, that you're, you're into right now? And you're welcome to and you're welcome to plug your book and stuff because yeah. it's one of the better ones. Oh yeah. 
worth every penny for sure. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I internet resources. That's a hard one. Like I, I'm not one of those people that just has all these fun tools um, other than like white pages, right? Looking up addresses. I write a lot of personal notes. We call them notes of joy where I'm just always writing notes. And I think that's a great habit for anyone. People in the paper, people you see in the news, people you run into, people you're introduced to, people get away from that habit of writing notes. And, oh gosh, books. One of my favorite books, and I bought it for a ton of my kids' friends when they went off to college, is You Are a Badass. Sorry, I'm cussing on your podcast because <laughs> I'm not usually a cusser. But, you know, I, I love self-development uh, books, but so often they're so woo or they're so like what, what's been done, like think outside the box. And I love how she is like, get over yourself and come on. Just, uh, and she gives you like good ways to reframe the broken head trash that's going on. Um, and I have, I have a couple others that I'm working on. I have, you know, you don't, you always have the stack of things. Yes. Traction is another one I want to get into. That's about systems. Um, uh, but you, it's not a light read. It's one that you need like a couple hours of time because as you're working through it, you've got to scrub through your systems. Yeah. Um, I, I love, I'm a huge Seth Godin fan. I love his blog. Read it. Every, I wake up every day to it. Cause it's like one little paragraph. It's perfect for creatives. And he, I feel like he's always talking to me, but he has a new book called, oh, I can see it. It's orange. This is marketing. And I just got it. I want to read that because everything he, he says is just looking at business in a different way. Yeah. And this is marketing is really good. He like, he does a good job of saying, okay, like here's where we're currently at in our society. So let's talk about what actually marketing is. It's really good. So good. I mean, even, I know, I mean, I love marketing. I'm a student of it, but I also know that he, with permission marketing, he changed everything for me. Like once you get people's permission, you can talk to them, right? It's, it's the marketing that everybody was just shoving it out there. And it's a, it's a good way. There are people that are interested in what we all have, right? We just have to find those people. So I love what he does. And when he endorsed our book, it was like the best present I ever got. <laughs> just awesome. Christmas for me. So yeah, always be reading. Okay, so, Matt, I think we're good. I think uh, okay. I, I love what Sarah has shared. Yeah, no, I think she's one of the best. I mean, we'll just talk about you like you're not here for a second. Sarah, right? <laughs> I was like, oh, like, you. Like, <laughs> when I go to, when I go to conferences and it's like, and here's the worst thing, Sarah, and maybe you do this. Why, when you go to conferences, why are you always like the 8 a.m. speaker or like the 7 a.m. speaker? Because I feel like every time I've seen you, it's like early, early in the morning, which is awesome because it starts my day off well. But um, I always make sure I have to come to your classes and stuff like that because all the information that you drop on us just gives you such a good perspective on life and business and stuff like that. So thank you for everything you do for the industry. You're welcome. And I don't know, I, I'm definitely not a morning person. So, so I, just, I don't know. just, just coincidence. Well, I think they're trying to, they, they think I'm a draw. So they're going to get people out of bed and get them, get them in and get them going. I know the sponsors like it early because then when the trade show opens, if, you know, if, if I like to talk about my partners and the people that, that help have helped me. So um, then it allows people to go in the trade show and, and meet them and see their products. But I know it's early morning for me. That's why I like speaking <laughs> on the West side of the country. Right. <laughs> back right. in time. All <laughs> right. So real quick, tell everybody how to connect with you um, so that they, if they 
you know, if they resonated with this podcast, they can find the information about you and stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And then we'll, we'll end it there. So yeah, my company's joy of marketing. So joyofmarketing.com. We have a blog free guys. So we put so much content out there. If you think the boutique models for you, just go sign up for something and get on our list. And we share so many resources. I do a lot of invite only things. Most of the things we're doing now, you only know about if you're invited to them. We just don't, we want students who know what they're getting into. Um, a free resource, joyofmarketing.com forward slash marketing checklist. It's a gift of eight weekly marketing activities you can do to find the right clients. And that'll give you a little taste of kind of the things that we teach. But but more than anything, whether you choose to learn from me or you choose to learn from anyone else, just be learning don't reinvent the wheel. There are people out there doing what you want to do. So invest in yourself and invest in getting the knowledge so you don't have to suffer. Awesome. Thanks so much. Really appreciate you taking the time to be on this. Um, like you said, you, you, like I said that we saved you for the second season because we knew that you would be a draw, like, yes. just like everybody else. Yeah. Well, I hope you. so. Thank you, Sarah. I hope so. Thanks for what you guys are doing. Like all of this education is great. It, it, we, we have to have it to keep our industry um, moving forward, right? I feel like we've survived digital and now it's time for, for what's next. So thanks so much for having me. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks everybody for joining. If you have any questions for Sarah, feel free to check out our website, joyofmarketing.com. Is that right? I said that right? That's Joy it. Thank you for listening to From Nothing to Profit, a photographer's podcast with Matt and Kaya. Be sure to subscribe for more business strategy and ideas to help you create the profitable and successful business you've always wanted. See you on the next episode of From Nothing to Profit.